Welcome to the Garden Angelist, where we talk about flowers, veggies, and all the best dirt. I'm Carol Michael from Indianapolis, Indiana. And I'm Dean Ash from Guthrie, Oklahoma. We call ourselves Garden Angelists because we are evangelists for gardening. We love gardening, and we want you to love it too. Yes, we do. We are also authors and invite you to check out our books, including my books, Potted and Pruned, Homegrown and Handpicked, and Seeded and Sodded, my trilogy of gardening humor. And my new book, Creatures and Critters, Who's in My Garden? And my book, The 2030-Something Garden Guide and No Fuss, Down and Dirty, Gardening 101 for Anyone Who Wants to Grow Stuff. You can ask for any of our books at your favorite bookstore or find them online wherever books are sold. And speaking of online, you can also find us as The Garden Angelist on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and occasionally Pinterest. And we'd love for you to join our Facebook group, The Garden Angelist Garden Club. Now on to this week's episode. Hello, Dee. Hello, Carol. How's your garden? My garden's growing. Mine too. You want to talk about them a little bit in our garden update? Yeah, that's what we usually do right here in this part of the podcast. We talk about our gardens. Okay. You going first or am I going first? I can go first. So our theme this week is about insects, right? Yes. And that ties into my garden update because I wanted to talk partly about my hoot owls. I don't know which kind of owl I have in the trees, but there are two owls. I never see them. And, but they talk to each other. And one's on my neighbor's property, which is right next to me. And then one's up the hill on someone else's property. But those two talk to each other in the early evening. And then, of course, in the early morning, they hoot also. And I just can't tell you how much I love them. And that takes us into birds. And what do birds eat in the spring? Insects. Insects. And so in my garden right now, I am getting a little bit of caterpillar insect damage on some of my plants, but it's okay. They'll come out of it. And I'm also harvesting peas, glorious peas. I have a snow pea called avalanche and I have a, um, Sweet pea that for the life of me didn't write down what I planted, so I don't know what it is, but it's good. It's a good one. And so we've been eating peas almost every meal. And then the other thing is this week, I went last weekend, I went to the Myriad Gardens Festival downtown and I bought phenomenal lavender for my potage. So I pulled up all my garlic and I've decided I'm not going to grow garlic anymore because I get bored with it. It's a really long season plant and I need the space. So I pulled up my garlic early, which a lot of people were like, that was too early. And I said, you're right, it was. But while I was there, I also went to Marilyn Stewart's booth, and she owns Wild Things Nursery. And I got uh, Liatris Aspera to put in my meadow. And I got ironweed, one of the ironweeds for the meadow. And then I also got white-veined pipe vine, which I planted in the shade. And I can't pronounce this name. So will you pronounce it for me, the Latin name? Aristolachia? I was just going to get... Fimbriata? Aristolachia Fimbriata. Aristolachia Fimbriata. I think that's right. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, it's white vein pipe vine, and it attracts pipe vine swallowtails. That's my garden update. Everything's growing. Very nice. And so, Dee, the first rule of harvesting garlic early is don't tell anybody. <laughs> Amen, sister. I goofed up on that one because yeah. I just did a little picture of it in my story and it kind of freaked everyone out because they were like, wait a minute, I haven't done mine. And I was like, oh gosh, guys, I'm sorry. That's, that's my, my bad. 
Yeah, don't tell people, yeah, Facebook's to put your best foot forward, right? <laughs> I guess so. Sometimes I'm just too honest for my own deal. Anyway, I am not going to grow garlic anymore, I've decided. as That's this right now. I'm not growing it much anymore either, because you're right, it does take a lot of space. And in, in my garden, it would be ready to harvest late June, early July. And then you would end up with that big spot. And I guess you could sneak in some green beans or something, but it's just... Cucumbers. You could do cucumbers. Eh, maybe cucumbers mm-hmm. here. You could grow them up in the trellis, up on a trellis. But um, yeah, I think I think I won't. I, I don't know. I've grown it a lot of years. And here you would harvest it about second week of June. Right. So we're not that far apart, really. No. No, but here in my garden, D, my peas are just now blooming. I feel like that they're behind. And even though we had a cool spring, they should have been growing gangbusters. They just sat there and pouted. So they are just now blooming. So we shall see probably, I don't know, another week, week and a half. I might have some pea pods to pick. Uh Uh-huh. But uh, the chipmunks are out. Every time I open the door, they go scurrying away. I see rabbits all over the place. And um, so (laughs) this morning... And what eats chipmunks and rabbits? Hoot owls. Hoot owls. Yeah. Well, I need some hoot owls. Hoot owls. They eat them. And so you need some hoot owls in your garden to eat those rabbits. And so you've got another bird you wanted to talk about. Bluebirds. Yeah. Eastern bluebird. I've got two nesting boxes, and they both have nesting bluebirds in them. And so I see those growing around the garden all over the place, which is kind of fun. Well, you know, it is fun. There's nothing like the color of a bluebird. And we have nesting boxes too, plus a couple of them nest in our trees. We're on our second nesting, so they've already fledged one group. And now we're on our second one. And I hear them all over. And you know what? That's a like a miracle. Think about that. It is. What what was it the, is. the bluebird was almost extinct. Yes. Thirty years ago. So and now they are not extinct. And I'm the first ones are fledging here. I saw a few little ones flying by this morning. So that second nesting will happen here soon. The other thing going on is I cleaned out a whole garden area and then I mulched it with a bunch of shavings I got from my brother-in-law who carves bowls. Cool. And so that man can come up with more bags of wood shavings than anybody I know. So I covered the whole area with wood shavings. And then in a couple of days, I'm going to go to the greenhouse and they've been starting pumpkin seedlings. And normally I wouldn't buy seedlings for pumpkins, but I'm lazy this year. <laughs> so I'm going to buy a seedling and bring it home and plant it make a little spot in those shavings and it'll be a nice spot and that'll keep down the weeds and it should be a good year for pumpkins, I hope. Ooh, I hope so. That'd be cool. You've actually got some pumpkin seeds from All American Selections. You might plant those. I did. I did get those pumpkin seeds and I actually gave them to my sister ah. whose husband carves the bowls because they were blue pumpkins and at the time I didn't think I was going to grow pumpkins. Right. And so I went looking through for those seeds and I thought, ooh, I gave those to my sister. Okay, well that's cool. And you were also going to talk about a salvia, a salvia that I also love. Oh my gosh, rose marvel. Yeah. Salvia nemorosa, rose marvel. Beautiful plant. I put a video of it on my Instagram Indie Gardener yesterday. I saw it. Just showing beautiful color and it's a bee magnet. Loved it. Love it, love it, love it. Bees love that one. Um there's also the I think there's blue marvel. And they love that one too. I have both. I have them on one bed. I have them alternating, like a section of the rose marvel and a section of the blue. 
And then I have another one too that I can't remember the name of right now. Super, I don't know. There's so many different ones, but Rose Marvel is gorgeous. Now, what I'll be interested to see is if it comes back for you, because what it's done in my garden the last, well, ever since I got my first plant, I guess three years ago, sometimes it blooms itself to death. Um, you mean the plant doesn't come back? Yeah, and sometimes it's dead by late, by before the freeze. You know what I'm saying? So I think it right. blooms itself to death. But I keep on planting it because even if it were just an annual, um, the first year I plant it, it always does fine. And then the next year is when it's just crazy beautiful, right? And then it seems right. like the third year it kind of, it, it can't do anymore. So I'll be interested to see how that goes um, in your garden and see if it's like my garden. This is at least its second year. Yeah, it would it be. It might be the third We'll see, but it's glorious. And you're right. Even if you had to replant it every other year, it's glorious. Who cares? It is the prettiest plant ever. So the point of all of this is we talked a lot about birds, which means we're going to talk about insects. Exactly. I talked about bees buzzing around my rose marvel. Yes. And I talked about how some caterpillars are eating some of my stuff. And I talked about that actually on my blog this past week, too. And I talked about red wasps. So shall we go into our we, flower insects? We should. I have a quote. It is, go. it is odd that we have so little, little relationship with nature, with the insects and the leaping frog and the owl that hoots among the hills calling for its mate. We never seem to have a feeling for all living things on the earth. And that is Jiddu Krishnamaruti. Krishna Murti, yeah. I don't know who this person is, but I loved that quote. Right. And sometimes you just have it, to sit quietly in the evening and then you start to hear the the frogs if you live near water. You hear owls, even I hear owls here in the suburbs. And mm-hmm. you know, you hear the drone of the bees, the last calls of the birds. That is a precious time in a garden. That in early morning. Yeah, my daughter did a little video, Megan, with the baby, with our grandbaby, and she said, we are morning people, and this is why. And she was sitting on her side porch of her little house, and all around her was birdsong. And you could see our little granddaughter, she was just like mesmerized by all the sounds and the gentle wind, and it was just, it touched my heart. Because, you know, the things we do as parents— those things do pay off down the line, or if you do it with your neighbor's kids or or whatever whatever child that's in your life, if you can teach them to appreciate nature in some fashion. I'm still working on teaching my children to appreciate insects, but I keep trying. Well, and so the thing about insects is, you know, reading these Facebook posts of new gardeners is so, I want to say, eye-opening or enlightening. The minute they see an insect, they think, this must be killed. And it's like, no, absolutely not. Not all insects are are detrimental. And so I wanted to talk about ants on peonies, because the peonies bloom late this year. They're still blooming, and people get all freaked out that there are ants. Are the ants eating my peonies? No. Are the ants no. necessary for the peony to open? No. No. But what the ants are doing is it's called biological mutualism. And we'll include a link to the University of Missouri Integrated Pest Management site. But the ants are chasing away flower-eating insects like thrips 
because they're trying to protect their food source, which is the nectar of the peony bloom. So they're like, this is our flower. You guys that are going to eat our flower, get away. And so the ants are chasing them away. And will you bring in an ant when you bring in your peony, if you bring it in? Maybe. Yes. Maybe. But if you just take a a bowl of cool water or whatever and swirl that bloom under that water real quick, not to ruin it, any ant will come off and then you can toss it out. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, and that's that's one of the questions I get every year during peony bloom, and we're we're finished this year, um, but I get the ant question every year, and no, they don't hurt them. They don't hurt them. Don't kill the ants. The ants are actually keeping other insects away, according to this University of Missouri study. So ants do other things too. You want to hear a big word, D? Yeah, because that's I don't I didn't know this word. Myrmecokery. Okay, and that's (laughs) that's called uh, seed dispersion, right? Isn't that what that's called? Myrmecokery is seed dispersion by ants. Right. And of course, so, they had to come up with its own name, but that's fine. So certain flowers, yes. that's how they get around. And if you guys have common violets in your yard, and if you don't spray herbicides, you probably do. I have a whole section of them. Um, that is caused partly because of the ants. The ants carry the seeds around. Right. And the seeds, the seeds are coated with like, fats or lipids or sugars that the ants want for food. And so that coating keeps the seed from germinating right where it landed, which is at the base of mother plant. And so it won't germinate until the ant carries it off, eats that outer coating, and then wherever it is at that point, that's where it'll germinate. And so that's how it gets dispersed. Yes. And someone's going to ask us about the fact that well, let's go back to this first. So trilliums have that, bloodroot. There's a lot of different plants that have this phenomenon with the ants. So I get a lot of questions in the spring, and you probably do too, about ants in the garden. What do you do about ants in the garden? Unless Nothing. they're just like, yeah, I don't either. Now, occasionally I will want to plant something where the ants are. And this year I had a bunch of red ants in my strawberry bed and they were around this one plant and they kept piling up mulch around the plant when they were suffocating the plant. And I dispersed them with some water. First I messed up their nest three or four times and then I sprayed water on them and they moved their nest somewhere else, which is what I wanted them to do. Right. And um, I did not have to spray a pesticide on my strawberries. So a lot of times, and I tell this to a lot of my friends, the truth is, is water works for a lot of things. It works to get rid of aphids. I mean, you can spray soapy water too if you want. But frankly, a good blast of water um, will get rid of aphids. So I do that on my daylilies in the spring. It'll also make ants want to relocate. Um, I have well water, so it's really cold. So occasionally I've sprayed it on a snake that thought it lived in my garden and didn't want me in there. And I'm not talking about poisonous snakes. This was a king snake. So water is pretty phenomenal. I have sprayed red wasps with it and said, go away. But right now I have a red wasp. And if I can catch her today in on video, I will post it on my Instagram because they hunt caterpillars voraciously. And so they're, they're actually a friend in the garden. And I know that's hard to believe when you go near their nest and they sting you, but they're a friend 
um, for most of the year. Now, swallowtail caterpillars, they love to eat. So I actually relocate those in places, the caterpillars, not the wasps. Right. So. But you, you were talking about saw flies on roses, that the wasp will eat those saw flies. Yeah. Which is good. They eat everything. They eat everything that they can come in contact with. But you know what else eats insects in the spring? Birds. Birds. Birds need insects because they need protein to grow baby birds. And so while birds eat seeds and stuff in the winter and fall, um, the adult birds do. They need insects in the spring. If you get rid of all the insects, there you go. No birds. Which birds are, we have a decline on birds. So Right. So I don't use any insecticides in my garden because if the I want the birds to be around, and I I think I'm I either am noticing more birds or there are more birds or I the garden is maturing with bigger trees and more undercover and more food sources. But um, I've got cardinals, robins, bluebirds. I saw Baltimore Orioles the other day. I'm happy. Many kinds of sparrows. I bet Many you have kind- some house. You probably have house wrens. Warning doves. Uh, yeah, I've got all that too. And ring doves. I have a lot of different birds out here. But I'm going to tell you, when I first moved out here and we didn't have gardens, we just had the trees, we didn't have very many birds. But over the years, because the garden has matured, I mean, mo- parts of the garden are 32 years old. So parts of my garden are, and I've set it all up so that there's understudy areas and understory areas, not understudy, understory areas, large trees. And we were talking last night on the deck about how tall our trees have grown. Oh, and hummingbirds. Don't forget the beautiful little hummingbirds. So I do, I do integrated pest management in my garden and I know you do too. And one of the things I use for grasshoppers, because grasshoppers are a huge problem in Oklahoma if we have a dry year, I spread this stuff called no-lobate, and we'll link to it. And they're, last year their facility burned, but they're back up and running, so at least they were. And so no-lobate is great stuff. It's on wheat flakes, and it's a disease for grasshoppers. The only other thing it will kill are crickets. Um, and if you don't want to kill a cricket, well, I, I haven't noticed that many crickets. They're usually around your house. So the grasshoppers, what happens is the baby grasshoppers eat the nolobate, and then they get slow, and then the big grasshoppers eat the baby grasshoppers, which it's all disgusting and gross, but if you eat your young, well, that's the way that's it goes. Dis- that's disgusting and gross. It is. All right. Well, let's move on because that's disgusting and gross, Dee. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. Here's our next I quote. try not to be disgusting and gross, but I am all about solutions, right? All about solutions. But the most part, the end result is, for the most part, leave the insects alone or use biological methods like a strong spray of water to get rid of them. They're not going to hurt stuff too badly. Not to the not too badly. Occasionally, you'll get an influx of stuff, but eventually, your garden gets balanced. Exactly. I guess that's what we're really talking about. It gets balanced, and so you don't have to spray pesticides because the birds and the wasps and other creatures eat the other insects, and then all of these things developed together over millennia, and so they it just all gets very imbalanced, and that's that's a beautiful thing to see. And yes, right now I'm having a little bit of trouble on my eggplant from some caterpillars, but it's it's going to be fine. It's not going to hurt. Right. Anything. So here's our next quote. 
Birds and insects are part of the ecosystem and help in pollination. I don't see any problem in having fruits and vegetables that birds want to eat as opposed to the perfect shaped tomato that only you can eat and which, by the way, could also be cancerous. By R. Madhaven. I thought that was an interesting quote. Right. Because if you want to douse your tomatoes in insecticides, you may actually be adding something that is cancerous to your vegetables. Yeah. If you ingest enough of it over a long period of time. And I possibly I am going nuts. Not nuts enough to like go out on Facebook and tell people they're crazy. But in my mind, I'm saying, you guys are crazy. So there are all these Facebook garden groups, and I know like there's, there's three or four in Indiana, and I know there are some in every state, local gardening groups. And the first thing they say is, I saw a bug, so I put seven on my vegetable plants. And they always spell it S-E-V-E-N. Which and is how it's spelled. It's actually the chemical S-E-V-I-N, and it's usually a dust, but it can be a spray. And it's like, don't use it. Yeah, well, okay, so here in Oklahoma, people talk about using seven dust on uh, summer squash because we have such a problem with squash bugs. I think I have a solution. I'll know at the end of the season for sure. Barrier cloths, okay, first of all, let's just say this. Seven dust is is a chemical that kills all insects. So you're not just killing the one you don't like, like the squash bug. You are also killing the bees that come and pollinate your squash. And there's a particular bee, there's a green bee that is a squash bee that pollinates your squash. And people wonder why squash isn't pollinated anymore. It's because we use too many we use too much seven on it. Um, bumblebees also pollinate it. Wood bees, um, carpenter bees pollinate it. Uh, honeybees pollinate it. But if we kill those, then it doesn't get pollinated. So that's just something to keep in mind. So I'm trying something new about not reaching for insecticides. I'm using this system, and now I'm not, it's called, I think it's called Acropod. I told you what it was the other day. You, you talk for a minute, I'll look it up. Well, it's like your veggie pod. It's a raised bed garden, and it's got a big old cover on it. So it keeps the insects out, right? Yes. And it's like a dome cover. Right, which means that I will have to hand pollinate my squash. Yes. Um, it's a, got a dome cover. Oh, it's a, I, know, I remembered it now. It's Veggie Pod. So it's called a Veggie Pod. It's V E G E P O D. And the problem, you know, they always tell us to cover squash in Oklahoma. The problem is, is we live in the prairie, and there's big prairie winds, and it blows your stuff over. And I've tried all of that, and it never really worked for me. Even hoop houses, because you can't get them tight enough at the end. But this Veggie Pod, um, which also has a watering system that rains down on the squash, I won it last year when we finally put it together, and I decided I was going to plant squash in it this year. Just because I want to see if it'll repel squash bugs. And it fits pretty tight. So we're going to see if that works or if I have to put a little bit of tape on one side. Because this one side has a, I mean, they might be able to get in there, but it would be hard. And so you could put cabbages that are, you know, cabbage moths that are attracted to, different things. So I'm going to give, so that's an idea for those of us who want to grow squash in Oklahoma because we have so much trouble. And what's another good reason not to do insecticides? I don't want to eat that crap. 
Well, I don't either. So there's lots of different things you can try. There's lots of organic methods. And integrated pest management, the idea behind that is you start with the least harmful thing first. So you can use row covers or a vegapod in this case. You can hand pick the nasty little boogers. But you have to get over being squeamish. Start out wearing gloves. Most things won't hurt you. Um, blister beetles, don't squish those between your fingers because you'll get blisters. Spray, you can spray water. Or maybe you just don't grow that vegetable, like squash, if you can't find a way to cover it or whatever. And then also for caterpillars, you can use BT. And BT is like nolabate, is a, it's not an insecticide, it's a disease, it's a caterpillar disease. But even if you use BT, you've got to remember that it kills all caterpillars. Exactly. So you need to use it judiciously. And if remember, you if you, people say, well, it's an organic insecticide, but even an organic insecticide is going to kill beneficial insects. So you've got to be really, really careful and really know that you've got something bad before you start using those. And the examples are neem oil, and then there's a horticultural dormant oil spray here that are, that are organic, but they'll kill everything. They basically smother the insect. Right, they smother the insect, and you can't spray them in Oklahoma when the temperature's above 90, which it's going to be this week because we're having a little heat wave. So it'll hurt your plants. It'll burn them. Um, one thing about it is these two things we suggested are not considered insecticides. They're considered diseases, and I think they call them biological controls. Correct. So the other thing we wanted to talk about was I'm getting, because when you Google flea beetles, on eggplant, tomatoes, and peppers, um, you get the first thing that comes up on Google is this spray mixture <laughs> that you make yourself. And I really hate that because it's not what you should do. So, no. And they always want you to use dish soap and spray that on there. And dish soap, if you look at the back ingredient label, it's like, no, I don't think that's a good idea either. You're still going to kill everything. Right. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff in dish soap. So if you're going to use this insecticidal soap, just go buy one that's pre-mixed. I think this this remedy that I read about had alcohol in it and a bunch of other stuff too. So don't mix up your own stuff. There's enough really good organic insecticides out there that if you absolutely need one, that you can use them. Okay? You, and they're not that expensive and you can order them online. So you don't have to mix your own stuff. There, I think that I think that's appealing partly because people think, "Hey, I made this myself." Um, but insecticidal soap doesn't have a bunch of additives. Um, almost always, those remedies that you mix yourself have Dawn dish soap in them. Exactly. I don't know what. It almost is. always. I don't know either. But there's a lot of stuff in Dawn it's dish soap. Dawn dish soap, not palm olive, not Joy Dawn. <laughs> yeah, they always say Dawn. I don't know why. Okay, so you want to go on to our bookshelf? Yeah, let's quickly go on to our bookshelf. We have two books by Jeff Gilman, and the one is called The Truth About Organic Gardening, Benefits, Drawbacks, and the Bottom Line, and the other one is The Truth About Garden Remedies, What Works, What Doesn't, and Why. And so these are really good because Jeff is uh, actually a horticulture a professor of horticulture at the University of Minnesota, and he has a doctorate in horticulture and a master's degree in entomology. So he kind of knows his stuff. And so it's... <laughs> he definitely knows his stuff. And he tested all this stuff. Yeah, it's science-based. It is. It's science-based. And if you're going to use some of these remedies, go with the science. Um, there was a time in garden writing um, where we didn't 
I don't know why a lot of stuff was touted that isn't actually accurate. And so everybody is trying to dispel those myths. And that's what Jeff Gilman does in these books. And we like both these books. They've been out for a while, but they're still really good. Yes. And so we would recommend those and we'll have links in our show notes so that you can see them. And now we have a quote and I'm going to read this one. You are because yeah, go ahead. Just what makes that little old ant think he'll move that rubber tree plant? Anyone knows an ant can't move a rubber tree plant. I should have sung it. You should have sung it. he's got high hopes. <laughs> I used to sing that to my kids. So here's my pet peeve, Dee. It's, You're kind of ranty today, Carol. It's my pet peeve. Oh, my God. <laughs> I read an article written by like an actual writer who called vegetable gardens today coronavirus gardens. Oh, That's dear de- God, don't, don't call them that. It's depressing. No. It's like, well, <laughs> once the coronavirus has been squelched or we have vaccines against it or whatever, we won't have to have these coronavirus gardens anymore. It's like, no, 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 no. Gardening is a lifetime activity. So don't call them coronavirus gardens. Don't even call them pandemic gardens. Just call them gardens. That's what they are. So it took a pandemic for people to discover gardening. So be it. I would say it's just one of the positives that came out of this situation, and I love it. I think it's one of the best things that's happened to gardening in a long time. But we we need to keep on doing it. And and I was going to say something hopeful in that if you guys have started a garden this year and not everything's going right, or even if you're a long-term gardener and things don't go right, don't give up. Be like that ant. Exactly. Keep on moving that rubber tree plant. Because you think you can. Wait. Yeah. Is that what that was about? I think so. Okay. (laughs) Well, that was our show for today. I hope it doesn't bug anybody that we talked about ants. And other insects. And I will try to get that video of that red wasp. She's She is a diligent. She's been going around my peas just diligently looking for anything that she can take back to her young. I have to admire that. There you go. All right. So that's it. Thank you for listening to The Garden Angelus. If you like our podcast, please tell your friends about us. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, we'd love a five-star review. That helps us get noticed by others, and we so appreciate it. Yes, and be sure to check out our show notes for links for more information about today's topic, plus links to our own websites. It was lovely to chat with all of you over the garden gate today. Bye until next week. Bye.